Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. I gotta tell you, if you're ever thinking, you know, this, this fucking world, there's just no justice in it, nothing good ever happens... You gotta just look at the National Hockey League and how those scrappy underdogs, the Chicago Blackhawks, got their way into the number one overall pick, winning the draft lottery. Finally, something good is gonna happen to that wholesome family-run organization, the Chicago Blackhawks. They're gonna get Connor Bedard. I know no one here could be happier for them. Uh, Truly, truly a testament to the NHL's uh, long legacy of uh, of justice and the right thing prevailing. Let's get right into tonight's you show. You know, they called them Second City Hockey because they are the inferior city. But last night and this week, they are no longer the Second City. They are the NHL's gold standard. It's it's important that they remain the face of the league. You know, it's it's it, it, no one has been happy since their last Stanley Cup in 2015. I'm glad that we're going to be able to overcome this this hardship and finally uh finally celebrate the Blackhawks again. Let's get right into it. Let's lead it off with Stephalicious D Steph Driver. So, you know, when the Capitals and the Penguins we're going to eventually fall off of pace and stop making the playoffs and stop being the juggernauts of the Metro. I really, really thought that it would be to the benefit of the Flyers. But what I'm seeing is it's to the benefit of the New Jersey Devils, and that I did not anticipate, and it really disgusts me to my core. I really thought that this was going to be the Devils' like learning year, and then they'd put it together next year. Um... Man, they're real good. They're real good. And I'm just very. Really, I'm just mad about it. I'm just mad about it. The de- the the Rangers or what whatever the Rangers are, the Islanders don't. I don't really care about them at all. It was the the Penguins and it was the Capitals that were just always right at the top, and I was sick of them. And now they're not always right at the top, and the Flyers are still at the bottom of the fucking division. And it just it. I'm mad about well, it. Well, we'll always mad. have Columbus. I mean, we will always have Columbus. Let's let's take a step back here for a second here, because I do think there might. Charlie, if you are trying to tell me to not be mad because it's your birthday, I'm going to punch you in the face. No, no. What I'm saying is that I think that in the NHL playoffs, there there is a lot of like recency bias here. Like the Devils are still down two one in their series. Like just because they won by a lot of goals in one game doesn't mean they are favored to win their series. Like let's not go. I don't go, think they're favored, not, like, but they're fucking awesome. Like they scored the a lot Flyers, of goals. I mean, they're going to they're going to get taken out by Carolina. 12, but I'm just me- I'm just me- if the Flyers played twelve periods against Carolina in a playoff game, they would not score eight goals. I just think that I would, maybe, like, let's not... I'd be shocked if they scored two. Let's not get carried away on, like, just how amazing the Devils are. They're a good team. They're not... I don't think they're necessarily No, I'm a just... I'm juggernaut. mad that the Flyers are still at the bottom of the division without the Caps and the Pens being the reason that the Flyers are at the bottom of the division. I I'm, I'm, I'm remain mad about the Philadelphia Flyers at all times. I will agree that it is annoying that... 
the New Jersey Devils have gotten through their rebuild and now look poised to be a contending team for at least the rest of the 2020s. That sucks. It's annoying. Isn't that fucking annoying? Yeah, it's not great. Less than the ideal. The Rangers might start over there. So, who knows? They're From the athletic.com. <laughs> From the athletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So, I did get a very good tweet from someone yesterday, and I want to read it. It was right oh, after the the lottery was concluded, and we found out that the Chicago Blackhawks would be getting Connor Bedard. And this this warms my heart in a way because I, I do like when people begin to move into my world of just general nihilism about the complete and total lack of justice in the universe. And it was. I used to believe in the hockey gods. I won't even capitalize that now until tonight. I even said a prayer to them on Facebook this morning. I'm hockey agnostic now. I no longer believe in hockey gods. And you know what? I love that, Brian Fish. Thank you so much. Because the fact of the matter is, is that, and Bill, you hinted at this, the Chicago Blackhawks winning the lottery and getting the top overall pick should kill any lingering belief that, like, things happen for a reason in hockey, it's all just bullshit randomness. Because if there was any, if karma was real in hockey, let's go through all of the ways that the Chicago Blackhawks have, should be in, like, negative a thousand karma points at this point. Number one, purely from a hockey standpoint, they've won a bunch of cups recently. They don't deserve to have good things happen to them for quite a while, given the fact they've won a bunch of cups recently. So there's just that. Then there's the fact that, oh, by the way, they recently covered up a sexual scandal in terms of like one of their players actually being assaulted and abused. And yeah, they fired the people involved, but the guy who owns the team still owns the team. Yeah. They got a two. Can we just. Everybody who's like, well, everyone's gone. No, they're not. The fucking no, owner's not. still they're there. Not. Like, yep. I, like it's, it's, oh, well, that regime's gone. Oh, the Wirtz family sold the team? No. They, they well, then not everyone's not. fucking gone. The only punishment that, that the Blackhawks have gotten so far is a $2 million fine, which, by which the they way— they made up for last night. They, they made up for sales. last night in season ticket sales from this. Okay, so now we've got that. Then there's the fact that if as much as people in the game say, oh, tanking is terrible, tanking is— The Blackhawks openly tanked this year. Outwardly it's tanked blatantly for two years. obvious <laughs> that they tanked, and— were they, did the hockey gods look unfavorably upon their brazen tanking? No, they gave them Connor Bedard. So what this should all show you is that everything is randomness. There is no justice in the world. So just operate under that, that assumption. Because if you're expecting good things to happen to you because you do good things, it's just not going to. So do good things, That's but don't do it because you expect some sort of reward because in the end, what's going to happen is good things will happen to bad people and that's just life. Eat Arby's. But have you considered they were an original six team? I did not consider that, Steph. Thank you so much for bringing <laughs> up that essential factor in all of this. For whatever reason, I don't understand this. I really don't. But for whatever reason, and to be clear, I do not think this was rigged. I think this is just another example of like the randomness of, of everything having a negative impact on us all. But I do believe— How great would it be if they rigged it for the bad guy team? <laughs> the NHL fucking uh. loves the Blackhawks. They love it. They, they, they love that organization. They have been pumping, like, like for the last five years when the Blackhawks have sucked, they've still been on TV constantly. Like, they adore that market. They are constantly trying to make that market be, like, the, the crown jewel market of the NHL. I don't fully understand why. I truly don't. I know that, like, players desperately want to play in Chicago. They're always tops on the free agency list because, like, I don't know, maybe Chicago's, like, the perfect market for hockey people because it's not too, like, hustle and bustle like New York, so it's not, like, too overwhelming for a bunch of farm boys, but it's still fun and they can still go out and party and stuff. Like, maybe that's why. I don't know, but for whatever reason, 
NHL hockey men adore the city of Chicago, and they think it's like necessary for that market to be the crown jewel market of the NHL. And that annoys me. That's always annoyed me. What? They got what they wanted because now they're going to have Connor Bedard and have a superstar. And like another it's, thing too, another another anti-karma point about Chicago that clearly doesn't matter. Like arguably their two biggest stars in franchise history, Bobby Hull and Patrick Kane, are both really shitty people. And doesn't matter. They still get good things happen to them all the time. Regularly. Now, and it's it's like I fucking uh, how? I, I, I don't want to conflate, like, uh, like se- bringing up the sexual abuse thing and why they don't they shouldn't have a great player. Like, I feel like cheapens what Kyle Beach went through to some extent. That's fair. But, but just the idea that, like, the, Mi- the Miami Dolphins made some phone calls and lost a first-round draft pick, and... The Blackhawks just get to operate a $2 million fine for a whole bunch of rich people is nothing. Like, every single owner in this league, every single owner in this league wipes their ass with $2 million. Even the ones that cry broke, they have two fucking million dollars to set on fire and never notice. And that's what the NHL essentially asked him to do with that. And it's, it's disgusting that there weren't that there wasn't a greater punishment at the time when everything was revealed. Uh, but I like I hate the revisionist now that we have a reason to be angry at them. We want to bring it up again. But it shouldn't ever go away. Like, the NHL should yeah. be held to account for this at all times. Like, every time Gary Bettman speaks, it should be brought up until something is done. But, like, they're just going to blackball everyone and, you know, the Wirtz family is going to just, Oh, how dare you bring that up right now? We're at a, we're, we're at the, like, like it's a royal assembly, a fucking town hall meeting of season ticket holders. They've like, already I, I done just, that. They, they, yeah. they did that to Mark Lazarus, like, a year yes. ago when, like, they were talking about who they were going to hire as GM, and then Wirtz blew up on Lazarus. He's like, how dare you not be asking questions about the GM search? You know, that's what really matters, not this awful thing that we did. Like, so, yeah, I could easily yeah, see him blowing up again because they no, they it, think that all that matters is winning, which is how they got, which is how the whole beach thing, well, not, not the initial beach thing, but it's how the beach cover-up happened in the first place because all they cared about always- was winning. They didn't care about people. The idea that the the Chicago Blackhawks organization is like the crown jewel of the NHL is fucking hilarious simply because like their games were only on the radio until after the lockout. Like they were <laughs> a backwards ass organization who wasn't on TV until about 15, 20 years ago. And now here we are. Oh my God. Like that final broadcast, and I love, I love JJ and Jonesy. When they're just sitting there going on and on, oh, Jonathan Taves, not only a great player, but a great man. I'm like, is he, though? Fucking is he? I don't know so much about that one. It just, it, they're disgusting in the fact that they won this. It, not even the fact that the Flyers didn't win. They're picking seventh. At least they're not picking fucking ninth, which was, I thought was the most likely scenario. <laughs> I know, right? Same. Fuck us, right? Our, our organization's <laughs> been making money for this league long before this quote-unquote original six team was making a goddamn dollar for them. But somehow, uh, the Flyers get fucked left and right. But at least they're not picking ninth, they're picking seventh. It's just disgusting that this organization constantly gets rewarded. Um, A couple things. It is disgusting that Chicago consistently gets rewarded um, for all of the reasons that you outlined and not just some of them, but every single one. And I think that they do need to be yelled continuously in the face of the NHL and team ownership. Um, What I would like to suggest is that instead of calling it the Kyle Beach thing, um, we, we just call it what it is. And it's that the organization protected um, sexual assaults. Like they they openly op- openly kept the doors closed behind this whole the whole scandal and the reason it was a scandal was because they didn't report it the people who knew about it decided that they cared more about winning than they did an individual so 
that, like, just clarification, neither one of you said anything wrong. What you said was completely right. And we should be saying it. We should be screaming it in Gary Bettman's face every single time that he allowed. He allowed one of his teams to bring in a teenager and sexually assault them repeatedly. And there's been nothing said from the Chicago Blackhawks organization to guarantee that that isn't going to happen with Connor Bedard. Like, there's no there's no reason to believe that it wouldn't happen with Connor Bedard the, because it's the same fucking organization. The owner of the L.A. Clippers was forced to sell because he said a racial slur. Now, don't want to minimize that, but he said words. Like... <laughs> The Wirtz family just there was no to, there was no assault. I mean, yeah, he was a, he's an ex, ex, oh he's a horrible fucking guy, but the, shitty human being. Yeah, but that was known for well be well before he was forced to sell the team. He was fucking yeah. known as a horrible guy. I'm just saying, like yes. that's a league that actually did something, and it's not like the NBA is flawless. But it's like I look at every other sports league and how they deal with. Not even similar situations. Less egregious situations, but again, I, I don't want to just do this because they won the draft lottery, but it's like no, they shouldn't that, have had a pick. They really that, should that, not exactly. have had a first-round pick last year it, or this it, year. Like, exactly. That's, I mean, that, that's, that's how... <laughs> I, 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 don't, I honestly... Until, until they can prove without a shadow of a doubt that they can keep these men safe, they don't, they don't deserve a draft pick. They don't deserve a hockey team. I don't think it's minimizing the, you know, what happened to say that this serves as a jarring reminder that the Blackhawks were not punished nearly enough at the time. We're not punished at all. I think that's it. There was zero punishment. We can say $2 million is zero punishment. Like, I, I think, I think in a way, like, it almost, you know, maybe the one good thing about this, and it's not a good thing, but at least it sheds more light on the fact that the NHL completely just decided, like, no, this was bad, but you know it would be really bad? If the Chicago Blackhawks weren't good for another five years. That would be what be really bad. So we can't hurt them too much because that market just matters so much for the NHL that we can't afford to strip them of two or three first-round draft picks because that might mean that they might not be good for a while. And that's what matters more than like actually making it. Because look, is there a visceral element, you know, that that feeling of like retribution, immediate retribution to punishing the Blackhawks? Yes. Yes, there is a feeling like it makes us feel good when bad people are punished for doing bad things. That is part of it. But there's another element of this that is also very important, which is that it serves as a deterrent. And the deterrent here is that, hey, if there's ever a situation in the future where another team stumbles upon serious misdeeds happening in their organization, then instead of doing what the Blackhawks did, which is, nah, let's just deal with this in a couple months after the Stanley Cup finals are done, because this is what matters more. Or they might say, even if morale-wise they're not there, if like from a morality standpoint, they might say, you know what, maybe... We don't want to have five years worth of draft picks stripped from us like the Blackhawks, so maybe we should prioritize this rather than, like, winning a second-round playoff game. That's where this actually was important because, look, we can't depend— and I'm not even singling out hockey. Like, we can't depend upon anyone's morality at this point in this world. So sometimes you have to put your finger on the scale a little bit, and you have to add in, like, you know, the the idea of I— like, this could be worse for us in the future if we don't deal with this now, so let's deal with this now. And that's what the NHL, by barely barely punishing the Blackhawks at all, didn't do. Because if this were to happen again, I'm not saying it's going to happen in Chicago, but if something like this or something, you know, not, it doesn't even have to be a sexual assault. If, like, let's say, like, somebody in the organization is physically abusing a player or something like that, and, they find, and an organization finds out about it, and they decide, you know what, like, yeah, this is a big deal, but man, he's a real good coach and we're in the conference finals, so let's deal with this in the summer. Like, that's the kind of shit that needs to be, like, removed as a viable possibility. And you could have gone a long way by removing that as a viable possibility if you would have really thrown the book at the Blackhawks, which they didn't do. And, like, I just... Two million bucks, LOL. Uh... On the draft lottery itself, 
Um, Chicago at one, Anaheim falls to two, Columbus to three, Sharks are at four, Habs five, Coyotes at six. I did bet the Coyotes to get a top two pick because I thought it was going to be rigged for them. Ha ha ha. Uh, you know, Coyotes have never picked one. Like, they have never picked at one. That seems impossible. Yeah. It seems impossible. Uh, the Flyers remain at seven. At least they didn't fall. The Caps are at eight. Red Wings, nine. Blues, ten. Vancouver, eleven. Coyotes again at twelve via the Ottawa Senators. Then we have the Sabres, Penguins, Predators, and Flames rounding out the teens. At least the Flyers aren't picking ninth, I guess. <laughs> uh, I keep seeing, and it's early still, I keep seeing mock drafts where Mitchkov falls and he's on the board at seven. Now, Charlie, that fits into your plan where they get to have a, a high-end player or at least prospect in their pipeline. And then they don't get them right away, so they continue to suck yep. and yep. have another crack at the lottery for a few years. Do you think there's any chance they would they would fuck around with a Russian after the Fedotov situation? I think it would be the perfect scenario for the Flyers from a rebuild standpoint. And I was I wrote this in my article today because I broke down the options in terms of like what players they could actually take at seven. And Mitchkov was number one because, yeah, he might slip. And to me, why it would be perfect is... It would very clearly set a it would set a finish line for the rebuild. The whole thing would be let's when he figure this sh- let's figure this shit out and then when we get to 2026 that's when it's full speed ahead. It sets a clear timeline and a clear endpoint where it's like okay, do the players on the team fit age-wise with Mitchkov's first year on the Flyers? Now, yes. I will not deny there is a risk factor here with regards to Russians, with regards to the geopolitical situation, and the Flyers dealt with that firsthand with Fedotov. Absolutely, 100%. But they are just in so desperate need of an actual star. And if they were to, like, pass up on him to get, like, I don't know, a right-handed shooting defenseman who probably tops out as a number two, like, if that's what they do, like... Flyers fans would have every right to be even more angry than they are now. And I'm not saying that it's a guarantee that Mitchkov is going to... Number one, it's not a guarantee he's going to last a seven. Number two, it's not a guarantee that he's going to be allowed to come over. But I would not... Let me put it this way. As someone who covers the Flyers on a daily basis and writes columns, many of which, given where they stand, are very critical of the Flyers, I would not criticize the Flyers one bit if they drafted Mitchkov and in three years, we find out that he's not allowed to come over. I would be like, you know what? It sucks. And is another example of how fucking unlucky this franchise is. But it was the right pick. He, unless he, the only way I would, I would, I would criticize him for it is if it turns out that Mitch Koff is a bust, which I don't think he's gonna be. Like if he just sucks, and like the next two years in Russia, he like doesn't score because he's just not that good. But I think he's really damn good. So I don't think that's going to happen. I would not criticize the Flyers if that's the way it plays out. If he just can't come over, be like, that really stinks, but it was still the right move to take a swing on a guy who looks like is going to be a freaking superstar. Now, will the Flyers do it? I don't know. I truly don't know. They didn't They didn't draft any Russians last year. I have heard that, like, yeah, they're, they would be concerned about going down that road again. Now, if the chips are down at number seven and he's there, do they just say screw it? Like, I hope so, because he's real freaking good, and I got news for you. Like, getting, like, nobody they're going to take at seven is going to be on the team next year anyway. And there's a good chance that that guy won't be on the team the following year either. Especially if Tortorella is still the coach because Tortorella will come up with some bullshit reason at camp why he needs more seasoning and he needs to be humbled and all that shit. So, like, I, you know he will. I, Bill's laughing, but, like, you know Torts will come up with some shit like no, that. No, I just, was it, was it Melrose, was it Melrose who fucking benched Stamkos? Was it? Yeah, that I sounds think it right. Was, right? Like. That sounds right. Like 60 goal scorer, one of the best guys of a generation, couple of cups. Like, yeah, now he needs need to, need to, need to, need to break him. 
He needed he needed to be broken. I did want to point out it was at the beginning of the month. Russ Cohen tweeted, uh, "Ivan Fedotov is expected to be playing hockey uh, and exiting the military, but it's going to be for uh, for the KHL and not the yeah, Flyers." Yeah, that's, that's a sh- it's just that's a funny shock. how it worked yeah. out. Funny how that yeah, worked out. I it's almost like they told him you can't leave jail unless you stay in Russia. Almost like yeah. that. I don't know. Almost. Just a thought. Did did you have something to say, Steph? You're muted. Oh, yeah, there just that I think it's really important that people keep in mind that whoever we draft at number seven, whoever the Flyers draft at number seven, is not going to be playing for the team next year and probably next year. Like, no matter who it is, like, really, really hear this. They are not going to be playing for the Philadelphia Flyers next year with almost 100% certainty. Yeah, so like we're talking super important exactly. to keep in mind. So we're talking about like maybe you get Mitchkoff at most two years later than you would have gotten who you would have taken seven. I would say probably one year later than how you than who you would have gotten at seven. That's my guess. And that's just going by like the fact that the Flyers I mean, look, like Cutter Gauthier, they're having him spend another year in, in college, and he was the fifth overall pick. This is and the seventh he overall said, pick. Like, he said, I want to be one and done. Like, that was something he said out loud last year. And no, not happening. He's going back for at least a year of uh, another year of seasoning. Yeah, so so to me, it's like, to me, you take Mitchkoff. And you take the risk because it's not like the Flyers are in a position where they, like, have the high-end talent. They just need the good role players. Like, this isn't Drew and Voracek time. <laughs> they they don't got a Drew no. or Voracek. Like, I like Dalibor Dvorsky, and I'm probably going to shit on him a little bit over the next, like, month and a half because I don't think he's the right player for the Flyers right now. I think he's a good prospect. I think he's going to be a darn good NHL player. But, like, do the Flyers really need another second-line center? Like, do they? Ha- have we gone through this enough? They could probably use any I'm going to go ahead and center. say they don't need any more middle six guys. I'm going to go out <laughs> on the ledge here and say it's probably in the Flyers' best interest if they get a top talent pick. Yeah, and like, like if, if, yeah. if the guy they take is is top talent, I think they're going to be okay. Like take take <laughs> this some. This is obviously yeah. a bit because take all they swings. do is take middle middle dudes. Take some swings, like. I I probably would have taken Yurichek over Cutter Gote last year, but I was not going to criticize him for that pick because it's like, all right, you know what? You guys took a fucking swing. You took a home run swing on the dude who's huge, who can skate, who can shoot. Like, yeah, if he hits, he could be the guy that everyone in the league wishes they had. And I respected the hell out of that. This is another chance potentially for them to do that. And if Mitchkoff is there, which... I have to think someone before seven is going to take him. Like someone is going to be like, I can't let this guy slip. The one, <laughs> the one thing that I did see pop up in, I, I forget if it was my comment section or if it was Twitter or something. It's like somebody made the point that they would be very, very like if there starts being rumors coming out that like Russia's not going to let him leave, that actually that's all a Putin smokescreen because he wants to convince every team in the NHL that he won't let him leave so that they can dictate him going to the Capitals to give Caps, Ovechkin yeah. a, fa- a favor for backing him all this time. That yep. the only team that Putin would let him leave for is Washington because of Ovechkin. How did I not think about the Alexander Ovechkin angle? Apparently, that was just me being really dumb. Why did I not think about it that? All- of course, Putin is going to negotiate him going to the the Washington Capitals. Why would he not do Oh, yeah. That? Is it, this really what people are saying? It yes. all goes back to 76, man. I keep saying. It's the Flyers. He'll go to any team but the Flyers. We beat them, and we'll never fucking be able to capitalize on Russian talent because of it. There, oh, 2004 was the only time because they acquired all those Russian guys. Suddenly, Bobby Clark loved Russians because he just kept trading for them in 2004. But other than that, it's never going to be. It's just never going to be a thing. We're getting burned by Ivan Provorov right now. He's as Americanized as you can get. And still, <laughs> like it's it's 
It's just going to be an issue between Russia and the Flyers forever, and it all goes back to 76. Uh, any other reactions? Do I have to take a minute to remind everyone, now that you said that, that Ivan Provorov has been living here since he was 11 and, tw- and 12 years old? Like, he's been here forever? His name is Ivan Provorov. He's Russian. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, we don't pronounce it Provorov. Yeah, because I'm he, from here. I don't say anything that no. way because it sounds asinine. And and in fairness, right, he specifically fine. said he did not. He wanted to be called Provorov, not Provorov, because we asked him because that is the way you're because supposed to pronounce Because he's been here it. forever. Because he's been here forever. Correct. Forever. So Mitchkov is like here we are. <laughs> to me, Mitchkov is the dream pick. The dream pick that I have no idea if the Flyers would actually have the guts to make. Um, they don't. But it. It fits so perfectly with their timeline that, like, it just makes sense. Just just do it. But assuming it's not Mitchkoff, you know, it's not like they don't have bad options or they're not going to have bad options. I, I broke down the, the seven guys who I think are, are most likely to be involved. Obviously, Mitchkoff was number one. Then there's Zach Benson, who I picked in our post-lottery mock draft of The Athletic. He is small but super skilled. Um, then we have Dalbor Dvorsky, who I mentioned, he's a Slovakian, very high floor, almost certainly is going to be a good NHL forward. I would say his ceiling is probably something like prime age Sean Couturier, which would be freaking awesome. But also like as much as I love prime age Sean Couturier, I don't think you're winning a Stanley cup if prime age Sean Couturier is your best player. So again, like I'm looking for the Flyers who try to get a guy who could be the best player on a really good cup contending team. But he's out there. He's, I think, probably going to be like maybe the scouting consensus at seven if he's available. Then there's Ryan Leonard, who is one of the three players on that top uh, line for the U.S. National Team Development Program with Will Smith, who was my top choice, but now looks like there's no way he's slipping out of the top five after he basically just ran train on the entire under-18 tournament last month. Uh, Leonard is his line mate, along with Gabe Perot, who was another option in my top seven. The three of them basically just scored all of the points this year for the US NDDP and then did the same thing at under-18s. And we'll probably do the same thing next year at Boston College when they are Cutter Gauthier's teammate. And they're probably all going to stay together as a line. Ryan Leonard... I think he's a guy who, like, Flyers fans would absolutely love. He's one of those, like, high-energy Mike Richards types. Um, So I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with him as a pick. Uh, I think he would be a very popular Flyer. Then there's David Reinbacher, who I hinted at earlier as the guy who probably tops out as the number two defensive, but he's right-handed shot, so scouts love him. Um, Good player. I just don't think he's, like, you know, a Victor Hedman type. So, like, again understand it because right-hand shooting defensemen are rare but like again would rather see them swing more for the ceiling and then there's oliver moore the guy who skates really 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 fast who's also u.s national team development program those are the seven I'm I lo- uh, man it's just i i kind of fell into the kelly trap i i was really just thinking we were going to be picking one or two and i know that was really? fucking stupid yeah, uh, I did get a. Uh, I, I got the um, the official, unofficial Broad Street Hockey um, mock draft from our guy Harris Barnes. Shout out Harris. He's got he's got Leonard going seven to the Flyers, and sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean he's a goal scorer. My only concern is like. Now, now you have an overwhelming majority of goal scorers and not enough playmakers. That said, like I think that Leonard would be very popular in Philly. Um, Man, Bobby Brink's that got kind it. Of like, He's got it. You know, I keep people keep bringing up Brink to me, and they're like, "Why do you? Not, why are you not putting Brink in there?" And honestly, it's like I probably should. But he wasn't that good in the AHL last year, and the Flyers have a lot of right wings already. So I'm just kind of like, okay, like, kind of wondering where he fits now. If, especially if you're not trading Konechny. If you're trading Konechny, then I see where he fits. But I don't think they are particularly excited about that idea. So if you're not going to do that, then you've got Tyson Forrester who's a right wing. you got Owen Tippett who's a right wing. you got Travis Konechny who's a right wing. you got Cam Atkinson still on the team who's a right wing. Like, where's Bobby Brink going to play, guys? I don't know. Is Cam Atkinson really still on the team, though? 
I mean, at least until I was surprised. At least that until he builds up he enough is. trade value for for you to trade him. He ain't got any trade value now because guess what? Nobody's trading for a 33 year old who missed an entire season because of a neck injury and had surgery on it. I for one am shocked. <laughs> No, Almost a $6 million cap the hit. The Flyers too. have nobody that other teams want, which, once again, brings us full circle as to we're still here. I think Cam Atkinson could rehabilitate his trade value. He just has none yeah, now. I think so, too. Like, right now, he has none. It's like how Kevin Hayes had no trade value last summer. Because why would you trade for a guy who just had three procedures on his core yes. and looked like shit when he played? His body doesn't has work. Has JVR <laughs> announced his retirement? Who? JVR. I do not think JVR is going to retire. I mean, I think he's going to try to get signed. I don't signed. think he is either. That's he wants why to I was keep asking. playing. Now, whether somebody signs him is another yeah. question, but I don't think he's going to retire unless he's forced to retire a la Andrew McDonald. <laughs> no, I, I feel like he'll be a free like, agent. I just didn't know if I had missed it. I want to say JVR can definitely still play, but I don't know that to be a fact, actually. Like, Ouch. He, Oh, he can still play. I, he, I mean, I, if he was scoring goals on the Philadelphia Flyers, he can score a goal or two. But he for wasn't. Team. He, he scored like nine goals. Yeah. Well, he had scored one yeah. or two. He scored a few. His thing, his thing is scoring goals, and he doesn't do it anymore. I, I don't know if he can actually still play, but he's he, not our he problem. He strikes anymore. me. He strikes me as a dude who like. Unless there's one team that really, really likes him and is willing to give him, like, I don't know, like, a two, three-year deal to finish out his career. Like, he strikes me as a guy who's going to still be around in August, and that's when, like, Arizona is going to sign him to a one-year, $1 million contract. With the Gotta plan of... Uh, floor, like, he's going to be the guy that's at the fly- at Skate Zone wearing a different team's jersey because it's training camp-ish, and he hasn't made it out to the team that just signed him yet. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's what JVR. Is yeah, he's be. he's going to get a Derek Brassard. Yeah, he's going to get a Derek Brassard contract, and the team that signs him is not going to be competitive, and they're going to be signing him with the plan of trading him for a mid round pick at the deadline. <laughs> you know, doing what Chuck Fletcher couldn't do. Uh, <laughs> I I can't wait for oh. it to happen. I he's a year older, and then someone's able to do it. I really can't wait. For the for funny. that level of incompetence, I hope the Flyers are 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 like sneakily in it, and then go, you know who we could use? JVR. I hope that happens personally. Uh, <laughs> fucking, I just I hate them so much. I do. I love them and hate them so much. Uh, let's go to the Stanley Cup playoffs while we still have a little bit of time here. Uh, I want to start with hack and crack, baby. Uh, we got to go hack back and crack. to the first. Hack and crack. We gotta Hack go back and crack. We we gotta go back to the first round where they upset fucking Colorado. Now the Avalanche aren't exactly last year's Avalanche. Half of their team is fucking walking wounded. Gabriel Landeskog might not ever play hockey again from the sounds of this procedure he's about it's to have. It's not looking great. Like it's not it's good. Like, it's a it, um cartilage replacement. Yeah, it sounds like transplant it's, surgery. It, it sounds like it's more transplant. promising than microfracture, which is like microfracture, like, which nuclear. doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, like that just doesn't work for pro athletes. But I do think um, I saw a player, like a Mark former Mathot. player. Yeah, Mark Mathot. That's who it was on on my timeline today. Basically said like I got this surgery and I tried to come back from it and I just wasn't able to skate in NHL level again. That said, like. Gabriel Landeskog was probably a better skater than Mark Mathot was pre-surgery. So he might have a little bit more to like lose and still be an NHL caliber player after the surgery. But I mean, we might never see like top tier great Gabriel Landeskog ever again, which sucks because he was a fun player to watch. And he's 30 now and he's going to miss all of next season. So like, yeah, yeah. Best of Gabe Landeskog probably, back, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard one. It's gonna be bad yeah. for him. Best of him is already probably behind him, and he has this yeah. now. Yeah, but he's gonna miss two um, consecutive years at least because he missed all hmm. this year. Hmm. Yeah, that's gonna be hard. He can. We'll probably see him come back if he wants to. Crossing our fingers on Coots, but though. at this point, Ooh. what'd you say? Well, say, in fairness, Coots, to- Coots did play. A little bit in 2021-2022. So it's not two full years. It's it's one and a half. One and a half. Do Um, you guys, can you hear Shenner 
talking to me every time I'm speaking. He's underneath my desk and he has something to say for every comment that I make. You can't hear him. Jenner is very um, angry that the Blackhawks won the lottery. Yeah. Just needs, he is very just angry. needs to make that abundantly clear. I'm partially deaf. And if I anybody's listening, shit. if if anyone's listening and you can hear him, let me know because immediately after I said that, there was a very long. He's got a lot to say about the Blackhawks. But between uh between Seattle the Seattle Dallas series, which somehow is also going in Seattle's favor, and the possibility. <laughs> The possible like Seattle's not good. I don't understand it. I really like I look at their roster and go, this is not a good team. But somehow here they fucking are. They're two wins away from the Western Conference final. And there's a very real possibility that we have an all expansion Western Conference final with Vegas and Seattle. And that is um just a kick in the dick for uh for <laughs> For a Flyers fan, you know, just all this tradition oh and this market that's been around and loyal forever, and here we are, Vegas and Seattle. Oh, cool, thanks. At least Chicago won the draft Your lottery. Nostalgia though. means nothing unless that's it's Chicago. What Hack and Cracker. <laughs> unless it's Chicago, that's what Hack and Cracker telling us. Your nostalgia, just we poo-poo how? on it. I'm so mad that. Dave Hackstall has one single good thing in his life. It makes me really upset. I just really, I don't hate Dave Hackstall. Like I don't have a, I don't have a problem with him personally. Um, that said, I hate what he did to hockey for me. I I just hate. I I just want him to be a loser. Like, (laughs) because he was a loser here. He was a fucking loser here. And the fact that he even got a shot in Seattle, I thought, like, played into what I thought their plan was. They were just going to be bad for a little while and then build their own thing without anyone's shitty contracts, without a coach who can coach them up like, you know, we just had with fucking Tortorella ruin our chances at Bedard. And... No, here they are, two wins away from the Western Conference final. It's uh, is he a good coach? Like, did did, did we just get no. it wrong? I mean, no. I, I've made this point on the podcast the last time like, that yeah. like it is possible that Dave Haxel was a bad coach in Philly and is a good coach now because he figured out what he was doing wrong and made adjustments. That said, like there are still elements of the old hack that pop out. For example, like. He spent the entire first two months of the year jerking Shane Wright around. Like, played him and then didn't, and then Hemden hauled in his hackstall way that, like, yeah. he wasn't ready, but he wasn't going to send him back because reasons. So, like, there's still some of the old Dave Hackstall, I don't like fun or young players in there somewhere. Like, don't worry. He's still there. He's just, you know, probably gotten a little bit better at masking some of his flaws and changing some things to make himself a better coach. But, like, he's still Dave. It's still going to come out at some point. We talked a little. He's still Dave. He's still the same guy. I actually forgot that he was dicking around Shane Wright in the beginning. I forgot about that. But I'm glad that you reminded me because it makes me feel better about my hard and firm stance of... He ruined hockey for me, so I cannot let him have nice things. <laughs> we talked a uh, a little about the Devils at the top of the show. They, of course, upset the Rangers. At least it was an upset in my mind in the first round. And now, yeah, it looked like they were overmatched the first two games of the Carolina series, but they answered back in a big way. They're trailing 2-1. What kind of chance do you give the Devils? Like, obviously, the Carolina has been a contender for several years now uh still probably some issues in net and they're missing some goal scoring but they're quote-unquote better than the devils do you think the devils can come back in this one like they did in the first round see i don't know i don't know if they are honestly i mean i think i think carolina this iteration i'm not positive carolina at full strength is better than the devils and they're definitely better coached than the devils but in terms of pure talent like, I'm not sure. If Carolina wins this series, it's going to be because they, like, they played smarter and they, like, they knew what they were doing more than the Devils knew what they were doing. But, like, 
The Devils, I think, have more raw talent than the Canes. And they're very much back in the series now. So, yeah, I mean, I think they could come back. Like, if the Canes had Sveshnikov and Teravainen and Pacioretty, then no. Then it would be over. But they don't. So, I don't know. Well, by the time that this is recorded, will we know what happens with Toronto? Because, or by the, I'm sorry, by the time that this is posted, will we know what happens with Toronto? Uh, because when? I was going to say, I think this is Carolina's year, but if Toronto does not get swept by Florida, which I think would be peak funny, um, then it's Toronto's year. Hey, but if they do get swept, it's it's Carolina's hey, year. Hey, maybe, so. maybe it's Florida's year. I wouldn't hate that, to be honest. I really wouldn't. There are some parallels. Like, last year, Florida had the insane regular season, and we remember what happened to Tampa when they had their, you know, the best, their 62-win season, I think it was. They go out in the first round, and then they win back-to-back cups. Like, there is a little bit of, like, okay, we, we figured out what it fucking takes. They also added... The perfect player for playoffs in in Matthew Kachuk. Like, just love watching him run around and piss everyone off. I, I mean, will, look, I, I gotta... look let, Bill, Bill, let's be honest. The real problem with Florida last year was that they got too much of the Flyers' bad luck on them by trading for Claude Giroux. So, like, Probably. It, it's, it's nothing to do with Claude Giroux. It's just that, like, anything that well, the Flyers touch immediately goes to shit and by getting the guy who has had had unfortunately by no fault of his own had that all seep into him that ruined any chance they had of winning a cup so now he's gone and now they can win it i gotta say though he did have you know a stop elsewhere and a whole summer to wash all that off of him ottawa went out and spent a whole bunch of money and Ooh, they're in the lottery, not the playoffs. So I don't know. Don't know if it has nothing to do with G. Uh, so now you're you're blaming G for teams not being good again. I think so. I think that's where we're where we're going. Um, I gotta ask about. <laughs> At least it's a place you're comfortable. I gotta ask about Toronto. If you get out of the first round for the first time since 2004, but don't win a game. Did you actually get any further? Reasonable question. This is like a tree in the woods question. Yes. Like, uh, you didn't win a single yeah, no, game. It's a yes, but with a question mark at you, the end. You've won exactly as many second round games as you did in prior years when you did not reach the second round. Have they actually accomplished anything? <laughs> Yeah, because they did play in those extra games. Did so they? at the very <laughs> I mean, they? Ain't something, they they should, ain't something yeah. they should be bragging about. No. It's it's not something they should be bragging about. I have to go very quickly, uh or very soon. So one quick thing before I have to hop off. Um, one of the best things to do as a Philadelphia Flyers fan is to not watch the Philadelphia Flyers play hockey. And you can Can do that with us on June 28th. Uh, Yeah, it's one of the best things to do, is to not watch them play hockey. You can do that with us June 28th for our annual Broad Street Hockey Draft Party. It will be at Sports and Social once again this year inside the Xfinity Live Casino down by the stadiums. Uh, Same type of situation as last year, but there will be more details coming. Put it on your calendar, June 28th. It's a Wednesday because the NHL loves us. Um, Definitely keep that in your calendar. We will be doing the draft party this year again. And the Phils are at the Cubs that night, so it won't be crazy traffic down there. But there will be something to watch after the Flyers pick at 7. So come on down to the draft party. Uh, Do we really have too much else to talk about? I mean, there's the playoffs, but... I don't think so. I mean, yeah, we... I didn't mean to wrap up the show early, but I knew that if I didn't say it right then and there, I was going to forget. Um, if we want to just go through the, the series that are remaining and talk about who we think could win, that could be a nice way yeah. to wrap up the, the show. Yeah, I mean, Do we kind of see... already... We talked, we talked about most we of the series. We kind of already did. Yeah, 
I mean, Florida's yeah. up three zero. They're probably going to beat the beat the Leafs, which is real funny because it's the Leafs. That's very um, funny. Oh, God. We talked about the Carolina Devils series where that really still could go either way. And then I don't know the Oilers Vegas one. Like that strikes me as one that's probably going to go seven, right? Yeah, I think so. It's that a one fun feels series. Like seven. It's really I like fun. watching these teams play, which I wasn't sure I was going to. Vegas is a different team with Mark Stone. He's still so good. Yeah, he's really good. Which I guess, and if, if you want a reason, I guess, to root for Vegas, me, I, you know what? I can't even decide whether like people are actually rooting for the Flyers or rooting against the Flyers or rooting against or for certain players in the Flyers. I don't even think people themselves know. But if, Oh, no, we don't know. But... If you are hoping that Sean Couturier can return from back injuries and still be Sean Couturier, Mark Stone's probably a good case study for, like, that's actually possible. Because he still looks like Mark Stone. Yeah, that's an excellent point. to a lesser extent, Jack Eichel looks pretty good. Joel Farabee. Same surgery. So it's something to at least give you a a little bit of hope. Uh, with this team but we are gonna wrap it up there thank you all for listening thank you for hanging out if you haven't already hit that subscribe button search broad street hockey wherever there are podcasts and boom content baby uh yes june 28th will be our draft party make sure you attend it's always our premier event uh i think that's it so for steph for charlie my name is bill Matz. have a great week everybody are you ready to talk about sports What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.